This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a trading strategy that a listener has emailed me about. He wants me to review it. He wants me to tell him whether or not it's got any credibility to it, whether or not it's something that could be profitable long-term, what's the pros and what's the cons of this guy's trading strategy. We're going to review all of that and more in this podcast. And for this episode, we're going to call this feller Bucky because I don't ever use anybody's real names on this episode unless they're very adamant about me using their real name, then I will. But for all intents and purposes, I just give them a good old Florida redneck name. And in this case, I'm using the name Bucky. I think that was a name off of Captain America movie too, wasn't it? Anyways, Bucky writes, Hey Ryan, I was wondering if you could help critique and review my new trading strategy. Well, I sure will because that's why I have you on the podcast. He says, I think using tight stop losses is fantastic. However, I get stopped out a lot. I don't mind getting stopped out. It's only a couple dollar loss, but with my small account, transaction fees just murder me. I live in Canada. So now what I'm doing, I'll pick a stock with a good dividend and wait until I think it's as low as I can buy it. Almost thinking of it like it's buying a house or an investment. And then if it goes up, then that's great. But if it tanks, I'll buy more. I never go full in my second buy. I save money so I can buy even more if it goes lower to bring down my average cost. Hmm. Okay. And being that it pays a 6% dividend, I'll make some money even if I can't sell for a few months or a year. Being that I get a dividend, I don't really care how long I have to hold the shares. All righty. I also find it easier with having a full-time job. I don't have to keep an eagle eye on the charts all the time. There is one or two trading apps in Canada with free trading commissions, but they come with their problems too. I don't feel comfortable using them just yet. That's why I use a trading account with one of the big banks. This strategy has worked well for me a couple of times so far, and I'm sure I'm not the first one to think of it. Nope, nope, you're not. Well, kind of, well, yeah, you're not the first person. But I'd love to get an opinion from someone who actually knows something about it. Thanks for all the great works and stay safe out there. All right, Bucky, we're going to answer all of your questions here and go over your strategy as well. But first, what am I drinking? I am drinking Appalachian Sipping Cream Whiskey. It's 20% alcohol, 40 proof. It says the core. I don't know if this is a whiskey or not. I think it's a whiskey. I think it's kind of like a moonshine or something. I don't know. Smells great. Smells like a pecan because it basically says butter pecan on there. So it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. It looks like rum chata in my glass. It's not brown. It doesn't look like bourbon. It doesn't look like whiskey. It's milky. But it tastes good. It tastes great. 
way better than those peanut butter screwball garbage that I've tried before, the flavored peaches whiskey. I mean, those are awful. This is actually pretty good. You could drink it by itself. It's not bad. I, it wouldn't be an everyday sipper because there's no pop to it. It's just, eh. I mean, if you're going to drink this stuff, you might as well just drink a Mike's Hard Lemonade. I haven't drank one of those in years, but, I mean, there's no kick to them, really. It's fruity. It's got a flavor to it, kind of like this old thing. I'm going to give it a 4.2. Guys, I can't go any higher than that. There's no there's no kick to it. There's It's 20% alcohol. I, I need something with a higher proof. At least 100 proof is is what I consider really good. I don't even know how it can be considered a whiskey if that's what they're calling it. I don't know. They may not be calling this a whiskey if it's only 40 proof. But it is way better than all the screwball stuff. I think this would probably be good for like a dessert if you're eating a brownie or a cookie or something like that. Yeah, drink this. It's like a dessert drink. It's, again, Appalachian sipping cream. I give it a 4.2. Not all that great. Now, as for Bucky here, we got a lot to talk about. He says that he doesn't mind using stop losses, tight stop losses. They're fantastic, but he gets stopped out a lot. But that's not just because you're using tight stop losses. There's a lot of things that can go into getting stopped out a lot. Sometimes it's just a string of bad trades. Sometimes it's the the conditions that you're trading in. Maybe there's a lot of volatility in the market. Like right now, I think I've had a few trades in a row that that have been stopped out. Can't do anything about it. I mean, I just didn't didn't pick the right direction for the market and and I, I took small losses. And I'm fine with taking those losses because one average winning trade, I make it all back and more. But stop losses are going to get triggered. They happen. It seems like everybody gets upset when they get stopped out of a trade. But that's why we have stop losses. I mean, I, I look at QID. I got into QID at like 20. I get stopped out 2% later. Things trading at like 16 now. I'm thankful I had a tight stop loss because it saved me from a lot of heartache. In the end... The stop loss was tight enough to keep me from having a big loss. If I would have had a stop loss that was twice or as big or three times as big, I would have still been stopped out, but I would have been stopped out for a much bigger loss. So my point being is that just because you get stopped out of a tight stop doesn't mean that it was because it was a tight stop. If you're seeing where you're constantly and consistently getting stopped out and seeing the stock go right back up, you have to ask yourself, where am I putting these stop losses at? Am I putting them at a strategic location? Because if you're putting it below a key support level on the trade to where if it breaks below that key support level, you know there's something that's gone wrong on that trade and that you need to get out. But if you're just saying, okay, I'm going into this trade, I have to get into it. I don't care where the stop loss is as long as it's within like 5% of the entry price. I don't care if it's just above a support level instead of right below a support level. Then You've got to expect that you might get stopped out of a trade because it, there's a little bit of a bandwidth to every kind of a stock to where a stock may move 1% or 2% before it finally starts to make its move in a certain direction. Also, consider the stock that you're trading. If it has a high beta, meaning that it moves much more than the S&P 500 moves, let's say it has a beta of 5 and you're using 3% stop losses and the stock market moves 1% or the S&P 500 moves 1%, you're going to be stopped out of that trade because it has a beta of five. So the stock tends to move five times as much as the S&P 500 does when it makes a move. So you got to remember that too. So when we're in a high volatility market and the S&P 500 can move one or 2% on a regular basis, 3% stop loss may not really have a good outcome for a stock that has a beta of four or five. Now four or five is kind of extreme, but let's just say it's like two or three. 
it's it's very possible that you're going to get stopped out on those kinds of trades in those kinds of markets. So you got to go back to the environment. Where are you placing the stop losses? Are you putting them below key support levels? The more support levels the stop losses below, the better. So it's not just about one support level. If you can get it below a couple of support levels, that's even better. Like if there's a rising trend line and there's a price level support and there's a couple of moving averages that it consistently bounces off of, that's like three support levels that you can put that stop loss below. How awesome is that? It means it has to break through three key levels to nullify the trade setup. And that's ultimately what stop losses are about. Telling you, hey, this trade set, the reason why you got into this trade is no longer valid. Doesn't mean it can't go right back up. In fact, there will be times where it does. It doesn't mean that it was a bad trader that you managed it poorly. It just means that the trade and the reason that you got into that trade is no longer worth remaining in for that very reason. And he talks about getting into these Divi stocks as, tr- as a trader and then equating it to buying a house. Some of this I don't really get too much, and I'm not picking on this guy. Sometimes people will send in an email and they'll listen to what I have to say about their email and they say, man, you were kind of rough on me. I'm not trying to be rough on you. But I do feel like since, you know, we're using a fake name and everything, I'm not calling you out really, you know, publicly there. Nobody else knows who it is that I'm talking about. So I can be a little bit more frank without embarrassing that person, without them like looking them up on Facebook or Instagram and controlling them or whatever. But if you're swing trading and buying dividend stocks for their dividends, remember, most dividends only pay out like every quarter. There's there's some like some REITs and stuff that'll pay out every month, but for the most part, it's like every quarter. Then you're starting to blur the lines. And remember, if it says it's a 6% dividend, that means every quarter it's paying you 1.5%. You can have a plus or minus 1.5% in a single day or even in a half hour of trading that stock. But it's also kind of blurring the lines between investing in dividend stocks and swing trading. Now, for me, I do have a dividend portfolio, but I keep that separate from my swing trading. I don't want to have a good day in swing trading and realize that all my dividend stocks went down that day, and then all of a sudden I feel like I had a bad trading day. No, I, I keep them in separate accounts. I don't I don't look at them every day. Dividend investing is completely different than swing trading, and I'm not a huge fan or really can get behind the idea of blurring the lines between the two. He also does a scaling in on his buys. Now, I have a lot of issues with scaling in on the buys. For me personally, when I get into a trade... I put an entire position down, not the entire account, just the entire position. So if I trade with like 10% on the trade, I put the entire 10% down right out of the gates. Now I scale out of a position and I'll get into why that's different, but I don't scale into a trade. And the reason why is because when I'm getting in, in order for me to maximize my profitability, I have to first be wrong and then ultimately be right. Meaning I have to start losing on the trade first to ultimately be right. But some of the best trades that we'll make, and I would say that the cleanest trade setups that I get into and some of the best trades that I experience are the ones that do exactly what they're supposed to do right out of the gate. Usually within 24 hours, if the stock's going against me within that first 24 hours of trading or after the first couple of days of trading, odds are I'm probably not going to come away with a profit on that trade. Now, that's not the case for every trade. I'm just saying that the odds rapidly increase. So, This person, he's needing the stock entry that he got into originally to be wrong so that he can actually get a full position and then have it go back up so he can ultimately be right. But then he's using tight stop losses too, which doesn't make much sense, which makes me believe without him actually saying this in the email that he's not using tight stop losses using this manner because he says, I don't mind holding on to the stock now for like a a year or two because he's collecting like a 6% dividend in a specific stock. But again, 6% 
over the course of the year, you could easily lose that much and way more. So the dividend's not necessarily going to offset all of your losses on the trade if you're stuck into it long term. Plus, you got to ask yourself, if you're wrong on the trade, do you want to stay wrong for a long time? Even if you might be eventually right, that's where you start getting into the, I need to be right, I can't afford to be wrong, instead of what's the path of most profitability. For me personally, I don't want to be stuck in a trade that's down 1% for the entire year and then have it go back up at the very end of the year and I make a half a percent. Yes, it's a winning trade, but it's not a good winning trade. I could have taken that money and put it somewhere else instead of letting it get caught up in the sideways trading action that goes nowhere. That's why I haven't traded Amazon in a very long time. Why? Because it's just been stuck in a sideways trading pattern for, for ages now, for almost like two years. I don't want to be stuck in that. You're starting to see the same thing out of Google. It's been trading sideways now near its all-time highs for months. But scaling into a position is assuming that your entry was not a very good entry to begin with and that you'll probably be able to get it at a lower price in order to maximize your profitability. But to me, that doesn't seem like a very good strategy because if it is a good trade, and let's say you're scaling in it with a third of a position each time. Let's say that you get really good at your trading and all of a sudden, instead of going in with your full positions, you're going in with a third each and every time. And that initial position that you put on is the only position that you ever get in that stock. You're never able to add a second position or a third position to get to that full position. Because again, most of the time, your best trades are going to be the ones that work right out of the gate. He also talks about how he has a full-time job and that this works really good for him. And I can, I can understand that, but just because it's conducive to your job doesn't mean it's going to be a profitable trade setup. And I really worry about the whole blurring of the lines between the dividend investment portfolio and trading. And also the willingness to stay in a trade for a long time because it pays a 6% dividend. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be profitable for you for the 6%. And I really don't want to tie up my capital in a stock trade that's going nowhere for an extended period of time. So what he wants to make sure is that he's going to do this. And he talks about he's only done it for a couple of times. And a couple of times, you're not going to be able to get a firm understanding of whether or not this is a profitable trading strategy or not. And personally to me, your worst trades are going to be with full positions and your best trades are likely to be with small positions. And so that that doesn't really work out for me from a reward to risk standpoint. Think about it. If he gets in the stock ABC at $100 a share and immediately that stock breaks out and it continues to go higher, well, it never pulled back enough for him to get into a second and third purchase of that stock to create a full position. Instead, it just takes off right out of the gate and let's say he goes up to $110 a share and he makes 10% on the trade, but it's only with a third of a position versus a losing trade. He gets in at a hundred and it dips. He adds another one at 95 and another one at 90. And then he, let's say he gets stopped out at 85. Well, he had a full position getting stopped out at 85. He lost so much more money on those two trades because of that, how much he lost with a full position on the losing side than he did with a partial position to the, to the upside. So that's the risk you really run. You almost need your entries to be bad so that you can add more because the worst thing you can do is, is for all your winners to be partial positions and your losing trades to be full positions. Finally, he mentions that he gets killed on the commissions. Well, one thing to think about, if you're making multiple purchases to get a full position, you're definitely adding to your commissions right there. Also, I would challenge you to call your bank and say, hey, I'm paying X amount of dollars. I think, you know, based off of how often I trade, 
can you lower it some? I used to do that with TD Ameritrade all the time. I'd call them up or think or swim, depending on who was owning them at the time. But I would call them up and I'd say, hey, I heard you're giving this guy $4.99 trades and I'm paying $6.99 and I trade way more than that guy. Can you give me a better rate? And most of the time they'll say yes. They have flexibility to change their rates. Now in the United States, almost everybody is trading free, so it's not really relevant for you. But for those in Canada and other countries where there's a lot of companies still charging you per trade, I would definitely call them and ask them to lower their commission costs. So the takeaway here, one, you got to have a trading strategy where you've done more than just a few trades. You're not going to really know for at least a year whether or not it's a really good trade. So you got to do your research ahead of time. You got to do some back testing. You got to see how this trade strategy would apply to the previous trades. Also, scaling in has a lot of problems to it, especially if you're scaling downward because ultimately your best trades are going to be the ones that work right out of the gate. So if you're using that scaling in to the downside, your best trades are going to only be partial positions. And staying in a position long-term because it plays a dividend and you feel like that's a safety thing, it still consumes your capital and there's an opportunity cost of where you could be putting that money at somewhere else. And finally, having a full-time job and trying to trade, yes, you want a strategy that's conducive to your lifestyle, but you also need to make sure it's a profitable trading strategy as well. And this one so far really needs some serious tweaking. And if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to check out swingtrainthestockmarket.com where you can get all of my stock market research each and every day. That's going to conclude my watch list, daily stocks that I'm looking at trading, updates on all the FANG stocks, indices, and the most intriguing charts of the day. Check that out, swingtrainthestockmarket.com. And be sure to leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to me on that is like the lifeblood that continues to fuel this podcast. So it means a lot to me that you guys are able to continue to leave so many great reviews and, and thoughtful comments. And make sure to send me emails, ryan at shareplanner.com. I read all your emails. Um, I'm putting almost every one of them on air. So send them to me and I'll make a podcast episode out of it. Thank you guys. And God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to SharePointer.com slash trading block. That's www.SharePointer.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.